question for today. Oh, the usual disclaimer. Yeah. We are not credentialed <laughs> So everything that we say, it is purely based on like lay people knowledge and research. Um, yeah, compiling. We'll be referencing a lot more authors today uh, just because the questions we're dealing with today have a lot more like scriptural ambiguity. And so we want to be sure to, to reference kind of different thinkers' viewpoints on this question instead of being dogmatic about it because we can't be as, as kind of clear on, on this particular one today. Yeah. Let that, do you want to read the question? Yeah. All right. So the question was actually a second part of a question that we answered earlier. Um, this question is from Jenny. And the second part of the question reads, do infants and mentally ill slash disabled people get saved as well? So that's how the question was framed. Yes. That's a good question. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you want to start us off for this one? Yeah. Um, hmm. So I think I think the the question like from the beginning implies a few things. Uh, and it's a little bit ambiguous about a few things as well. So I think I want to personally reframe the question mm. and I want to ask the question, can infants and mentally ill and or disabled people get saved as well? Mm. So I want to reframe it from do they get saved to can they be saved? Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think just to begin off, I want to read for us from uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is a historic mm. confession that... Uh, yeah, which is a historic confession that really, I think, I don't know, maybe summarizes, yeah, yeah. summarizes uh, many different messages and themes and teachings, doctrines, doctrines from the entirety of scripture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so this comes from, uh, I think, chapter 10, section 3, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 10, section 3. I read, elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit who works when and where and how he pleases. So also are all other elect persons who are incapable of outwardly called by the ministry of the Word. Yeah. And, yeah. I think it's, it's kind of a, this question is a pretty sensitive one just because, like, um, especially in today's, uh, one of the, the biggest top hot topics in Christendom today and in the, uh, popular culture today is this question of abortion. Like what is the kind of consequence of going through with an abortion? So the question that a lot of people have is like, do babies get saved by default? Because what could be more innocent than a cute chubby little baby? You know, like, like, how could a good God, a merciful God, uh, let them just automatically go to hell? I think um, there are a few kind of points of tension within this question that a lot of different thinkers have kind of proposed uh, answers to. But we want to start off with, first with a few. Uh, we, we want to start with what is clear and explicit in Scripture and then move from there. So something that uh, David and I and many thinkers are firmly convinced of because it is true throughout scripture is that all people without exception are born with a heart that
that is naturally hostile to God. Um, that, that pretty much means that um, every single person without exception, because we are uh, descend, descended from Adam, we inherit his original sin. And there are scriptures like in Psalm 14 where it says that there is no one good, no, not one. Uh, there is no one who does righteousness. In Isaiah, uh, I believe, uh, 53, it says, all we, like, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way. And then especially in Romans 5 or Romans 3, it says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans 5, Paul draws out this connection between us and Adam that because we are descended from Adam, uh, all of us are born with sin. We inherit his sin. That's the first kind of premise. Um, yeah, and I think just a, one thing I would like to add to that is like original sin, I think, has a slightly mis- misleading name. I think it's very easy to assume that original sin just means the first sin that Adam committed or just eating the fruit or rebelling against God. And although like that is what caused everything. I think when we say original sin, it isn't necessarily just the act of that first sin, but rather the effects of it. Mm. And because Adam sinned, and sin corrupted man's nature, right? that means all who come from Adam have that same sinful nature. Yes. Yeah. So... Hold on, what was I going to say? <laughs> I think um, the the kind of contention that people have with this doctrine is like, wait, but like, uh, or I actually, so th- there are kind of like two views that we want to kind of dive into from this starting point that all people without exception are born with sinful hearts, right? There are some who make the argument, no, like, like, f- so f- from like Romans 1, for example, Romans 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul draws out this argument that there is no one with an excuse. And the way that he draws out this this argument is he says, God has made it plain uh, that he exists to all mankind through creation. He has revealed his divine nature and attributes through creation itself. That's Romans uh, 18 to 20. And furthermore, in chapter 2, he, uh, he talks about how the conscience that God has put in each of us uh, to every human being without exception also testifies that we are without excuse because it means that we are all without exception aware of God's moral standard. And so the overall thrust of those two passages is saying that there is not a single person without excuse. Uh, or there, there is not a single person with an excuse before the Holy God. But then the argument that people will try to make in, uh, for infants is that babies and even mentally disabled people uh, do not have the capacity to understand general revelation. Babies don't have the capability to, uh, to to look at nature and understand that there is a God. Or babies aren't conscience, conscious enough of their own conscience. So how can they be held morally responsible for even general revelation of God's revealing himself through nature and through the law written on our human hearts? But the reason why David and I kind of uh, disagree with that uh, that kind of argument is because the whole point of those passages is to show that there is no one with an excuse. The whole point of those passages that, that Paul is, is writing out, he's trying to show that there is not a single person on earth who is born naturally innocent. Uh, it says in Ephesians 2 that we are, like the rest of mankind, naturally children of wrath, meaning we are naturally born with a heart that is 
inherently hostile against God and therefore deserving of his righteous, uh, his righteous judgment. And so I, we believe that we have to take seriously the Bible's diagnosis of mankind, that there is not a single person, however young, however cute, that is exempt from uh, the judgment of God. Yeah, that includes infants. Now, the question comes up, how then are babies to be saved? Because it seems that if we kind of follow what we've just been talking about, that everyone is born with a sinful heart to its logical conclusion, it would appear that no babies get saved. But where do we go from there, David? Yeah, and I think uh, part of the reason why I wanted to kind of reframe the question of can babies be saved is uh, in a, one, I think I wanted to kind of link it to whatever the Westminster Confession says, but at the same time uh, to show that if God chooses to save and chooses to extend this grace in order to save, mm. then there is no physical or emotional or physiological barrier that can stop God from being able to save someone. Mm. Even in whether it's maturity, both in terms of physical or right. emotional or mental. Um, yeah, and kind of like what you were saying is that like all are saved by placing their faith in Christ. And that doesn't mean that you must be able to make a profession of faith in order to be saved, right? But it simply means that all are saved by Christ, which is actually what the Westminster Confession of Faith reads for yeah. us. Yeah. And rather than uh, coming to the false conclusion that if all are born sinful, therefore all babies, until they make a confession of faith, go to hell, um, I think we we believe with many other thinkers, including like, uh, John MacArthur and Piper that God can save infants out of his mercy and his grace. He is able to regenerate the hearts of those babies um, in his perfect wisdom and timing. I don't think, we, we personally don't believe that that necessarily means he does that the same for all babies. Because if that were true, then like, why, why worry about when a baby dies? Because they're just, they just got like a free ticket to free heaven, ticket to heaven yeah. you know like they, they didn't have to even hear the gospel but we don't take we don't believe that that is consistent with what uh, the bible says the bible does say that all of us are born with this sinful heart that is in need of regeneration and just like how god unconditionally elects and regenerates his people who are make it through adulthood like us he could do the same for elect infants as well uh, and we see examples of elect babies like in King David, uh, who says, like, God knew him from his mother's womb and taught him to trust in him. Or Jeremiah, who is set apart from within his mother's womb to be a prophet to the people. Or uh, even John the Baptist, who leapt inside of his mother's womb when he was near uh, baby Jesus. So, like, these are kind of examples that the Bible gives of babies having a spirit that has been made, made alive uh, and sensitive to the things of God. And so we... <clears throat> we believe that not all babies are saved by default because every human being without exception is born with a simple heart, but that God does elect certain babies to be saved from the womb. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just one other thing I would, I would add uh, as I was kind of like doing my reading is there are also other thinkers and you know, scholars and theologians that also would like to distinguish between the infants of believers mm. and also infants of unbelievers uh i mean i don't think we personally have 
or some you know, teachers and pastors make a very strong statement saying all infants of believers that who die in infancy are saved. Right? But like what we mentioned earlier, I think for us there is no clear yeah. teaching in scripture that tells us that all infants that die, whether they are of believing families or not, um, that all go to heaven. Yeah, it, all are saved. It is specifically because of the like because there's no clear answer that we have seen so far and again like we're just lay people like we haven't really studied this to uh to the depth of a seminarian but um we find it hard to be dogmatic about that that because a baby is born to a christian household that by default they're saved um i have yet to see a scripture that firmly convinces me of that um yeah but if you have seen one especially our seminarian friends in the audience please send us some articles uh, because we we need to see more. Yeah, we would love that. Also, for those of you who are just joining us, um, as usual, we take questions live. We write them down. So if you want to just put in a comment, if it's a comment that pertains to the present discussion, we'll try to incorporate it into the discussion right now. But if it is an entirely different question, then we will add it to the queue of questions that we've been compiling. Um, yeah, just a few days ago, somebody named XD... <laughs> Submitted like what, twelve questions? Something like that. Uh, all very good questions. Some of them definitely far out of our depth. But uh, thank you for submitting those. And we will hopefully eventually get to some of them. Some, if not yeah. most of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think another or kind of continue on this discussion about like infant uh, salvation. I think another kind of contemporary implication of this question is like what about aborted babies what about those babies who are killed before they're they even have the chance to be born i think it's some people kind of have the flawed logic that oh because god is merciful he will save those babies definitively um, and then some other people will object and say well if if they're going to be saved then like why not why not just let them die you know like what's the big deal but um we don't even say that about adult Christians, <laughs> you know, like just because we know where we're headed doesn't mean that it's okay to kill Christians just because they know they're going to go to heaven. So why would we say the same about babies, right? Um, so I think the Bible also makes it explicitly clear that saved or unsaved doesn't matter. God has love for and grace for all people without exception. Not exactly in the same way, but we talk about this concept called common grace where God extends common kindness to all of mankind, whether saved or unsaved, and that includes babies. So every human life is precious to God. Uh, and the Bible also makes it explicitly clear that even the unborn are considered persons in God's sight. Um, like, for example, of all places, if you look in the book of Leviticus, I think it's in, sorry, not, not Exodus. Leviticus, Exodus, Exodus chapter 21, where God is laying out the punishments for, uh, for murder. And he's laying out all these different kind of situations or scenarios. Like if a man strikes another man and they become crippled, then that, the, the man who hit him has to pay certain damages and things like that, right? But then when you get to the situation of a man hitting a pregnant woman, if the baby is born miscarried but uh, survives, then the one who hit the woman has to pay a fine that is determined by the family. 
But if the baby dies, then that's tantamount to the yeah. offender murdering an adult human, um, which is back then it was a completely radical idea that like the unborn, you should suffer the same amount of punishment for killing an unborn child as for killing a full grown man. That was absolutely unheard of in the in the ancient Near East, and yet this was like contained within the law of God, and it still applies today. That God views even the unborn as precious individuals that are worthy of protection. Uh, so that's that. Yeah, I think I think even today that is a revolutionary, radical idea. Yeah. 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 Oh, babies. All right, I think that kind of really naturally, or yeah, very naturally segues into another question that we wanted to answer that's quite similar. Mm. Uh, it was sent by David uh, a while back, actually, like three, four weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Yeah, and it says, the question asks, are there different tiers in heaven? Like, do those who are more faithful on earth receive a greater eternal blessing in heaven compared to the less faithful Christians? And I think we want to like add a slight kind of, maybe sub question with that is like are there then different tiers in hell mm. and are those who are less faithful on earth receive a greater degree of punishment than those that are let uh, more faithful mm. or less or bad or less, less evil less wicked yeah yeah yes yeah you want to go first uh, uh Tears in heaven. <laughs> Tears in heaven. <laughs> Gosh, you're so lame. <laughs> okay, so I think, I think when when we, we like talk about or think about this question, uh, I personally don't know too well, but I know I think in the uh, Catholic, like I don't know if it's a Catholic belief or there's some belief out there that says there are like nine levels of hell uh. and like. N- whatever levels of heaven, right? And they're, like, separated yeah. by, like, I don't know, how faithful you are in, in earth or how what kind of wicked sins you did in earth, in yeah. the earth, and then, then, you know, you go to your respective places. I think that is something that's not biblically supported. Yeah. And, um... Or, I mean, I think, I think it's... it's an extrapolation yeah. that you can't yeah. be, again, you can't be dogmatic about yeah. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You can't say definitively that all traitors are the worst of sinners. Yep. Like it, I, I think like m- many of us are familiar with like Dante's Inferno. Like the, uh, I, yeah, I think that's the, yeah. the epic poem that describes the, the circles of hell and says that certain sins, sinners go to certain circles of hell. Uh, I don't think that that is particularly supported in, in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what that was called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humanity. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think one thing that um, one thing that I think is supported in the Bible is that uh, Jesus gives a parable. I think it's the parable of talents, where he gives varying amounts of talents to uh, different servants, right? And um, when these servants come. And then, you know, he tells, Jesus tells this parable where this, the master gives varying amounts of talents to his servants and he goes away for some time and he comes back. He asks the servants, like, you know, what have you done with this amount of service or these talents I've given you? 
and you know the servant with the ten talent that received ten talents would uh, come back and say, "Oh, I earned ten more. I invested in uh, earned ten more. And these are ten uh, talents." And then the master says, "You know, good job, my good and faithful servant. I will you know put you in charge of ten cities." Right? And then for the servant with that was given five talents, right? he earned five more, and the master gave put him in charge over five different cities. Yeah. Right? Um, and although Jesus doesn't make a definitive statement in that in that parable to say, like, if you earn more talents, you get more cities, right? Like that wasn't the point of the parable. The point of the parable is that he calls us to be faithful with the things that we have been given, right? Regardless of how big and how small. Right? But it does allude to the fact that like there are varying degrees of things that God has given us to steward, right? And in the varying amounts that we have been given to steward, right, God will reward us in the varying amounts. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think a similar statement could be made with, you know, the other side as well. Yes. <laughs> with the other side, meaning hell. <laughs> um, I think I think passages that we think of when it comes to talking about degrees of punishment and hell are, for example, when Jesus is talking about like. Um, it is better for you to do to have like a millstone tied around your neck than to mislead one of these little ones. Or there are like certain sins that, or I think, imply that of course God knows that certain sins are worse than others. Consequentially, that it is one thing to uh, hate someone in your heart; it is another thing entirely to actually kill them. Although in your heart, if you hate somebody, you did kill them you did sin in that way um so i think the ultimate conclusion that we reach with regards to punishment in hell is that everyone is guilty everyone deserves punishment but god is a perfectly just judge and he knows that some people were more wicked in this life than in the next and they're they they have spent a lifetime heaping greater judgment on themselves such that in hell they will have experienced greater punishment. And it's kind of a mystery to me. I mean, even like right now as I'm talking about it, it's kind of hard to conceive. How can one punishment be greater than the other when they're both infinite? You know? It, and it, I think, I think yeah. the other side too, right? How can one reward be greater, right? If yeah. it's the same God who's giving us the reward and it's God himself who is the right? greatest yeah. reward. Also, um, we, when looking into like talking about rewards in heaven, right? Like how different people may be dip, rewarded differently in heaven. Um, there's a quote by Jonathan Edwards. He's a very famous American preacher. He was probably one of the greatest theologians that America's ever produced. He's writing on, uh, yeah, next to David. He was <laughs> writing on heavenly rewards. He says, every vessel that is cast into this ocean of happiness is full though there are some vessels far larger than others. And there shall be no such thing as envy in heaven, but perfect love shall reign throughout the whole society. Those who are not so high in glory as others will not envy those that are higher, but will, they will have so great and strong and pure love to them that they will rejoice in their superior happiness. So, uh, pretty much Edwards is making the point, like, in heaven, though we may experience varying degrees of reward uh, based on our obedience here on earth, everyone will be fully satisfied because 
the actual reward is God himself. And when we look around in heaven, there's not going to be any sort of envy or comparison. Instead, it will only be even greater joy because we will see God's perfect justice vindicated in the joy of our brothers and sisters, right? Like, I'm sure Paul's having a great time up there, you know? But that doesn't mean like the average Christian who faithfully followed God in this lifetime, or like in this century, is going to go up there and be like, oh man, like, I wish I could be up there instead. You know, like, it, it, it's, not, it's not like that. Like, everyone will find their full satisfaction in Christ. And didn't you say, you say something about crowns? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. But uh, I think before that, I was also going to say, like, and just kind of reiterate what you mentioned earlier, is that, like, in God's exacting of his punishment, he is just. And I think in God rewarding uh, those who, you know, appear before him in heaven, God will also be just mm-hmm. in that. Uh, I think one thing that, and this was a question that came up in a Q&A panel that I was listening to a while back, actually, and um, I reiterated a lot of the things that was kind of mentioned there, but I think one thing that this one pastor said that really struck out to me was that like, when we get into heaven uh, and God rewards some with, say, greater treasures or greater crowns than others, right? he says at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because when we receive those crowns, we will lay it down at Jesus' feet anyway. Yeah. Right? And um, kind of adding on to, or maybe kind of like a tangent from what you shared about Jonathan Edwards, is that like, how great and joyous will we be when we see that our brother or sister right, has more crowns, more treasures to lay it down before Jesus' feet? Mm. You know? Like how much joy will that bring us? Like when we are in heaven, no longer you know, having sin or jealousy or envy in our hearts, right? to see a brother who can lay more of his treasures who, that he received from God right, mm. before Jesus' feet. Yeah. Right? Like how... how how much joy should that bring us? Right? And I think I think about it, it's like even in applying now, it's like I think sometimes um, you know, seeing the ways that God has blessed some other people more than maybe the ways that God may have blessed us individually, right? And like instead of letting that be a source of envy or jealousy or you know bitterness, right? Letting it be something that we're so grateful to God and you know, joy joyous of to see how this one, this person can use the gifts that God has given yeah. for God's glory. Amen. Right? And I think I think that's maybe a little bit more applicable to where we are now. Yeah. And I think uh, continuing further in that that vein of like our present obedience now, like Paul, uh, I forgot where it is. It was like I I like worked harder than any of them. Yeah. Uh, I forget which one. Uh, yeah, we should get for it. Yes, First Corinthians fifteen ten. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, Paul is talking about himself in relation to the other apostles. He says, "For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain." On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Which sounds like, yeah, Paul, Paul did a really good job. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So it's kind of like, even 
our obedience in this present life is not meant to, it, it's not so that we can have greater glory in heaven. Uh, rather, it is even our present obedience in this, in this moment, it is still facilitated by the grace of God and meant to reflect glory to God. And so that the rewards for which we are, no, the works for which we are rewarded here on this earth that we receive in heaven still go back to God. Like it, it is still because of God himself that we were able to do those good, good works at all. And that also reminds me of a passage that we studied in our home groups last week in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And verse 10, it says that we are God's hand, our workmanship created to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Meaning there are good works which God has prepared for us, his people, to walk in and to do and to accomplish. And in the end, they are not to make our lives more great or more glorious in heaven, but rather to reflect that much greater glory to him, both here in this lifetime and in the life to come. Yeah. That's, a, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, huh. <laughs> what do I need for this <laughs> Memorize the Bible. In Hebrew. Walter. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I think that's like, I don't, I don't know. I think regardless of, of what rewards in heaven happen to look like, People always talk about rewards in heaven as if it's like material. It's so funny. Like when I talk to the the children in, in San Jose, the, the children's ministry that I serve, like the boys always ask me if there's going to be Fortnite in heaven. <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's like a cute question. But in reality, like the things that we're looking forward to that we hope are in heaven often end up being the very things we idolize here on earth. And so you often hear about people talking about like, Oh, the rewards in heaven will be like bigger houses, like better cars in heaven. Like, will we need bigger, better cars in heaven? You know, like, uh, so Dave, I, I, I'm not sure about you, but for me, for sure, like, I'm not entirely sure what those rewards exactly look like. But ultimately, the reward is that we will see God as he is, that we will be face to face with his glory, that we'll be able to enjoy his magnificence for all eternity that we'll be able to walk with him just as Adam and Eve walked with him in, in, in paradise, but more so because we will be able to do so in the perfect fellowship of believers, giving glory to God um, as he has always designed it. Um, and even if we spend eternity just gazing at the eternal glory of God, we will never reach the end of his, of his magnificence, of his majesty. We will never fully comprehend his majesty. And so in the face of the, the literal face of, of God, right? Like, would we care that much about whatever other rewards God could possibly give us? It's not like the rewards he gives us are better than himself. It's like God plus. Yeah. Like, we, if, if there were nothing in heaven except for the presence of God, it would be sufficient. It would be enough. So, yes. That, that's what we think wow. about that. Uh, ben, you say you have a question. You want to just send it in? We might be wrapping up in just a few minutes because we just hit 35 minutes. But 
we could probably take your question. <laughs> You'll ask me later. Okay, yeah, we can talk later. It's All right. That's my middle school pastor. Uh -huh. Hi, Pastor Frank. <laughs> we miss you. Well, I miss you. Yeah. But I guess, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, a nice place to end. Thank you again for joining us for another week of Dulos. YouTube. Uh, yeah, yes. So we have been uploading our videos to YouTube with uh, the timestamps and like different sites. I gotta go back and do that. Okay. okay. Not yet, but will. It will happen. Uh, of like timestamps, of like various moments where like we're discussing, discussing different questions or various, you know, kind of topics regarding that question. Um, yeah, and also we're going to be posting our Google form on there as well. So please, if you have any other questions that you would like us to talk about, please submit them. Or if, as you're watching this, you, you believe that we're somehow in error scripturally, or maybe something we said wasn't unclear, then please, please, please message us because, like, again, we're not credentialed ministers. We're trying our best to be faithful to the scripture, um, but we can get it wrong. And we definitely want to hear back about that because it is so helpful. Like, um, our brother, Mike Hamada, thank you so much for reaching out to clarify certain things in our latest episode, in our last week's episode. Um, yeah, we, we always love that kind of support. That is a very tangible way for you guys to support us. Yeah, or even like different resources about the things yes. that we talked about. And yes. like, you know, maybe, you know, check out this article and we would love to read it and mm -hmm. love to, you know, see how that, I guess, informs us and teaches us more about God's scripture. And you know what would also be pretty cool is if maybe maybe if we did like a poll like with questions oh, and you guys voted which yeah. questions we should talk about next week. No, we'll like we'll like figure things out, like kind of play around with different ways to engage with you guys, but we wanna make sure that this is really a resource for you. Yeah, I mean, and it's helpful. Yeah. And I think you know, I mentioned this every week, but we hope that it's not you know, this is not a place where, like, okay, like, these two guys said it, you know, it must be obviously right, you yeah. know, but we hope that, like, the, you know, the questions that we talk about and the various other things that we talk about um, are something that sparks an interest and, you know, like, really, I guess, motivates you to dig further into God's Word and to, like, read various resources and see what's really in line with what the Scripture teaches. Amen. Yes. All right. Thank you for joining us. Okay, bye. <laughs>